see, I do love one Houston team. There you go. <laughs> I've been an Astro fan for as long as I can remember. I remember going to the Astrodome as a boy, and I, I'm sorry, guys, that you don't get to experience that today if you, you never got to go to the Astrodome, but it was quite the spectacle. In fact, I even enjoyed it more than what Minute Maid Park is today. And there was nothing about the, the bulls snorting and, and going and, and Jose Cruz coming up to bat, and, and they say, Jose Cruz. And, and, man, I remember that as a kid and knocking, just knocking out of the park, and the bull would go off, and the American flag, and the stars, and the fireworks. It was so much fun going out to the old ball park. And so I know y'all want to give this away, so we're going to give this away real quick. Y'all have it? Come on up and have it. This is my sister, Tater Sally. <laughs> we nicknamed her that the other day. It's an inside joke. I'm sorry. If you don't know it, I ain't telling you. I need somebody that's unbiased to come draw this. Colby? No, Joe. <laughs> I'm alert. Come on, Roderick. If you draw your own name, you can't win, though. <laughs> we'll let Shelly come. She's more unbiased. Yeah, Casey definitely can't pee in the bucket. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, the winner of the Yeti Cooler. Y'all aren't going to believe this. Patrick Allen. And I promise I did not rig that. This one right here, bud. No, it's this one. That, that one's going to be a raffle, but it's a Yeti. If you want to, you can change it academy, do whatever you want. Hey, love you, buddy. How about that? One of our veterans winning a Yeti. Oh, here. You know, in, in, in some cases, a Yeti, a Yeti cooler is almost like the modern-day Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> and, and so... You know, what a what a great giveaway that is. Congratulations, Patrick. You know, this week, Operation Blessing called me. Uh, I've been calling them. We've been talking back and forth for a couple weeks. And uh, so Friday afternoon, they brought us a 30-foot truck with almost 13,000 pounds of stuff to give away to flood victims. And so we're going to start that this week. If you know any flood victims that need assistance, they need food, they need diapers, they need help, we have supplies for them. In fact, we shut down our food catering for the day because it is totally filled to the ceiling with diapers and with MREs and with all kinds of good stuff. And, and these MREs, I promise, they're not, they're not military grade. They're good. <laughs> they're, they're really good. And so, uh, you know, make sure if you know somebody needs help, we want to help them. That's what the church is about. We want to help them and help restore them. And we want to help get their houses cleaned out. You know somebody needs a house cleaned out, we want to help. In fact, if you want to help, Tuesday at 5 o'clock, because Gina's going to find us somewhere to go, but Tuesday at 5 o'clock, meet here, and we're going to go out to a house and start ripping it out and, and helping somebody. We don't know who it is yet, but just meet here. We're going to go help somebody on Tuesday. And we're going to give away food all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Church is open. We're going to give away food. We're going to give away diapers. We're going to give away supplies, personal products. Uh, they even sent us a bunch of depends. And so it depends on what you need, but we got it. We got everything you need. And so we, we just want to help 
people. And so that's what we're all about. And uh, today we're going to talk about coaching lessons from the greatest coach ever. And uh, I know y'all y'all wanted to win the Yeti, but we have another one up here. Do y'all see this Yeti? You can win this one too today. Well, not today, but you can win it. And the deal is our kids are going to camp. Sorry, I got too many announcements today. Our kids are going to camp. And uh, every Yeti ticket they sell, half of it goes to a camp. The other half of it goes to pay for the Yeti. And it goes towards paying for our convention that's coming up for our youth. So uh, make sure you buy raffle tickets. Or if you want to help us sell raffle tickets, help us sell raffle tickets. You can donate half of it to the kid or you can donate it all to our youth ministry. And uh, Josh told about it earlier. It's going to be phenomenal. And uh, tonight, 7 o'clock, we're going to watch the game in Washington right here. We're going to watch the Cavs play the Nets. We're going to Golden State play the Nets. Either way, I don't really care who it is. It's a Rockets and a Cavs game. And so we're going to watch the game and have a good time. So coaching lessons from the greatest coach ever. Let's sing this song together. Stand up with me. Y'all ready to go to the ballpark today? talking about baseball today we're talking about life and there's no better coach I know in the world than Jesus you know and thank God thank God he sent his son just for me and that I can have three strikes and I'm still not out you hear me I I can have three strikes and I'm still not out and so we're going to talk about coaching and coaches today one of my greatest joys growing up, besides going to the Astros and stuff, was, was playing football and being part of the team. And I swam competitively. Uh, when I was 12 years old, our swim team in Nederland, Lewis Clark swim team, won first in state, won second in nationals. Uh, I used to swim the backstroke, the butterfly. I could, I could swim it all. My sister was very talented at swimming also. And it fit because my dad owned a pool company. And, and so every weekend we were swimming in Houston. I'd wake up in the morning, swim for three hours, get, get home in the evening, swim, swim for three hours. And uh, we were very good at what we did. But I was swimming six hours a day for five years. And I got to age 12 and I was burnt out at 12. And so I quit. And I said, I want to play football, do something else. I was tired of water. You know, when, you, when, you're, when you're webbed up, you know, Every day of your life, you get out and your hands are all webbed up and stuff. And, and Michael Phelps just blows me away how he swims every single day and just keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it. But we swam every day. My sister was a quarter second off the swim limit at the time at the age of 13. I was like, man, you know, I wish she'd have stayed in it. She was better than I was. Don't tell her I said that. It'll go to her head. But she was, she was just a phenomenal swimmer. There was, she was one of the fastest girls in the whole state of Texas at, do, at doing the butterfly, and that's a hard stroke. And uh, just very, very good at swimming, loved playing sports. But 
you know, even as uh, I kind of got out of the sports age and I went on to Bible college where there was no football or none of that, and I still played sports, my heart was always in the game, the game, part of being on the team. And so when my boys started playing football, man, I kind of got excited and uh, started coaching and, and helping them develop their skills on, on the football field. I, I showed them how to block. I, I showed them how, you know, you shove your hands under pads and you grab them and you push them back and you stick your foot right here, you know. And uh, I showed them all the good good ways to play. You know, I said, somebody's bigger than you. I taught them how to beat the bigger guy. I taught, I taught them how to do everything about football because as a family, we, we love football. And, and there's things we do as a family. We, 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 my boys know on Sundays we're going to church. And when we get out of church, then we'll watch the ball game. And they know that, that we're going to work together and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna work out together and we're going to have fun together and we're going to do all these things together. But they know above sports and above everything else that God is first in our lives. Before sports, before baseball, before football, before anything we've ever, we, we do, our church and our dad is first and our wife's first and then, then our family and then our church and our family everything but God is most important he's first I woke up this morning and I I was just thinking of all the things I told my kids and I was thinking dad so I looked at him and said I don't play that way dad I love you thank you for this for this father's day where where I can be a dad just just be my coach today father teach me how to coach my children and to coach my church and to coach my family in the right way and, 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 and help me follow after you more and more every day. Father, what you want to do in a church, do it in our church. Make us a team after your own heart that serves you and that loves you. Thank you for just being who you are. Thank you for being God. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the guy for us and save us. Thank you for the price that was paid. And I just went on loving God on the way to my truck. And I got in my truck and he continued here because when I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is just not check the sports. And I just say, why do I do this? Because I love him. Because God is my first priority. And you know, America's game is baseball. So today, we're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about the greatest coach that ever lived, Jesus, and uh, some of the basic principles that he gives us to live by and to help us coach our families as successful dads and and successful moms. And and so there's four bases in baseball. So today, I want to give you four ways today how dads help their kids and their families first base we come to isn't home plate it's a square base and we come to we come to first base and first base would be a coach teaches that's what a coach does folks a dad a coach teaches and so we teach our families and our our kids lessons I remember teaching Colby how to weed eat for the first time I think that was also the first time he back talked and said I don't want to <laughs> and I, I remember how teaching him how to start the the riding mower, and, and and I remember teaching my kids all this good stuff, and 
You know, I, I love teaching my boys how to play cards and how to play poker. And we'll sit around and play poker. And I love playing with them because I always win. I cheat, she says. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sell me down the river on Sunday morning. <laughs> but, you know, as a dad, my, my priorities have shifted from high school and from elementary school and from everything else. My, my favorite pastime has become my children and, and my family and, and life. And so um, I was studying this week, and I, I read this quote, and I just love this quote. Prince Fielder, who we all know is one of the most successful baseball players in the game today even, um, he's a lefty slugger and one of the most prolific left-hand batters in the history of the game. But the key is Prince Fielder is not left-handed. Prince Fielder was born a right-handed hitter, and he was naturally born that way, but his father forced him to bat left-handed, saying that he would thank him for it later. You know, sometimes we coach our kids, and what we coach them doesn't seem natural. It, it doesn't seem where we should go with them, and we're just trusting God to help us to coach our families and to, and to take them somewhere. And Sometimes our kids don't understand, but I'm right-handed, Dad. I'm sure he told him that, and that this is this is awkward, this is difficult. But Dad said he would do it. And and just like that, Jesus knows what he's doing. He coaches us, and he gives us examples of how we should act and, and what we should do. And he he makes our game better. God makes our game better than we could ever make it without us without him. I remember I was teaching Colby how to throw a ball and there's dents in my walls as I was teaching him. You know, the boy's always had an arm. And uh, same thing with Ethan. Ethan always threw sideways. You know, he just, he do this. Your kids ever do that growing up? They get, they sling the ball like that and you teach them, I teach them how to go, you know, how to throw it the proper way. And you work with them and you guide them. And we spend all this time with our kids playing ball and doing that. But are we teaching them the ways of God? Are we teaching them the ways that Jesus wants them to be taught? And so in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 through 17, it says, For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For before I, be before I became your father in Christ Jesus, when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach all the churches wherever I go. And so he's saying, look, I'm sending you my son Timothy. I, you only have one spiritual father, and that's me. But I'm going to send this, this other son I have named Timothy, and I've taught him all the right ways, and he knows how I act. He knows what I would do in certain circumstances. He knows how I how I carry myself. He knows, he knows everything about me, and he's going to show you the right way to go. And that's kind of, you know, our kids, God places Christ in their life to guide them and, and to show them the right ways to go. And so my question, I think, for you today on, on first base is, my question would be, are you? spiritual parent you can be a mom you can be a brother you can be a sister but are you coaching those who you love in the ways of God 
Are you teaching them His ways and His precepts and, and helping guide them? Are we teaching them how to pray? Are we teaching them how to worship? Are we teaching them how to study the Word of God? Are we teaching them how to love our neighbors, no matter who they are, or what they look like, or, or what movement they, they serve, or, or, or what they're doing? Do, do, we, do we teach them that? Or do we, we do, or do we take the same sayings that our parents had and the, and the same jokes that don't fit the circumstances that our parents told us and do we spread them to another generation? Or do we say, you know what, we're going to go past that. And no matter if our, our, neighbors, our, our neighbors are red, green, blue, orange, wherever they are, wherever they serve, it doesn't matter if they don't serve the same God we serve, but we love them. And we show them how a Christian should and how a, a Christian should love. And when they're hurting, we help them, whether they're with our car or not. We truly love them and we show them the ways of Jesus and the ways of God. And so let's look at an example of the greatest love of love that we have in Jesus in Luke 8, 24. It says, they saw the cross and Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. And the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. And the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed all at the same time. And they said, Who is this man? As they looked at each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. See, when they went to wake Jesus up, Jesus didn't panic. Remember, Jesus can walk on water. He didn't jump out of the boat and leave them. In the middle of the storm, he was the peace. In the middle of the storm, he was the calm. In the middle of the storm that, that's raging, he didn't panic on. He didn't, he didn't show panic. He didn't show fear. You know, so many times stuff's going wrong in our country or going wrong in our lives, and we panic. And that panic spreads to our fears. And it spreads to our fears. Are you the calm in the storm? Are you the peace in the storm in your life and in your waves? No matter what the waves look like, can you be that? So he brought peace, and he brought calm in the storm. And then let's look at what he did after they woke him up. He walked out and he rebuked the wind. Is there wind? Is there turbulence in your family? Are you spiritually strong enough yourself to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like. It, do, it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to rebuke the wind in my family's life. I'm going to rebuke the storm that's taking place out of my family's life. And I'm going to say, peace, be still. Do we do that for our kids? Do we do that for our family? And when, there's, when everything looks like it's falling apart and it's unraveling in our world, can we stop it? Jesus did that for us. He built their faith by calming the storm. Jesus stepped in and calmed the storm. He gave the very Are we 
sin on you. And it looks like everything is falling apart. Are we telling them you're complete? Are we telling them God's never let me down? He's not forsaken me. Are we saying, hey, no matter what goes on, no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. Is Jesus in the boat with your family? Is he in the boat where you're walking? Is he in the boat where you're traveling? Is he with you? Is his presence directing and guiding your steps? So first base is Jesus. Second base in case you're tired. Jesus sets the example in 1 John, I mean in John 5, 19 through 20. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. Wow, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father shows him how to do even greater works than Peter and the apostles did. So that when you leave and we leave, that's God's plan. We set the example. Satchel Paige, one of the greatest players in baseball, said this. Ain't no man can avoid being blown out, but there ain't no man got to be blown out. You don't have to be grounding. You don't have to be average. When God comes into your life, your life becomes supernatural. You have something bigger than yourself that guides you and moves you and takes you to where you need to go. Is, is he taking you where you need to go? Is he helping you take your family where you That's what he wants to do for you. said this in John 14, 12 through 13, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. See, not only did his father say this, not only is Jesus saying about, I, I see what the father does, Jesus is saying, as my son and as my daddy and as my children, I want you to do the same works that I've already done. And, and so, and so we, we as dads or we as coaches in other people's lives, are we elevating them and promoting them and inspiring them to do greater things than we've ever done? Are we inspiring them? To, are you inspiring people to follow you? Are you inspiring people to go with you? Are you inspiring people? We have four things we say at Triumph Church. First of all, we, we tell everybody we want you to meet new people. Now, this is for everybody in the room. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. Okay, I want everybody in this room to meet new people. This is what we do at Triumph. Meet new people. I want you to build relationships with people because when you build a relationship and you love them, they want to know what's on the inside of you and where you got it, which brings them to you. And then I want you to help equip people and disciple them because that's what Jesus did. Jesus teaches. He inspires. He disciples. That's what he does in us. So I want you to help disciple people. And number four is nobody gets excited unless they're inspired. So we tell everyone what Jesus is doing. Are you sharing with them every day what Jesus is doing? They may not be saved, but they need to know what's going on. Are you inspiring your kids? Are you telling your kids, look, you know, last, I don't mind sharing stuff with my kids. Like, you know, I didn't know how I was supposed to do it last week. But God did a miracle this week. I share my faith with my kids. I want to inspire them to know that God is in control of everything. 
I want them to know that they have the good steward. I want them to watch his hands. I want them to watch his words. And I want them to watch me give God everything I have deeper and deeper and deeper. And when storms rise up in their life, I want to know that I can rebuke the storm. I can rebuke the wind. I can, I can say, peace, be still. And they know that their Father knows and the Father is with them. I want when my neighbors are praying because their house is flooded or something's going on, I want, to, I want to be able to say, it's okay. We're going to get you this week. It's okay. God's still with you. It's okay. He guides us. And, 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 the matter, and, and the biggest loss people have in their life, are you there for them? Are you inspiring them? Are you coaching? Or are you just trying to entertain them? Now, we need to try and entertain them. But at the same time, we've got to look after them. We can't leave them in the ditch with us. We have to pick them up out of the ditch. And we've got to help take them to where God wants to take them. And I want most of them, kids, I want them, I want them to do what Jesus has inspired us to do. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. I want my kids to disciple people. I want my kids to help build the church. I want my kids to accomplish their destiny. I want to live a life that inspires people to love God. Because they know without a shower of God, it's the only way they're going to get there. It's the only way they're going to do anything. It's only because of the presence of God and the anointing of God that you can do it. Now, the last thing I want to do before we leave this place is this. Now, you say, Pastor, but, you know, I, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't know how to do that. It's okay. Today is about today. I promise you, your kids are coming around. They're, they're more than conquerors. God, God's going God's gonna to step in the way, and he's going to make it happen when it seems like it can't happen. When there's no way, God can make it happen. Uh, my dear friend over here, we've been praying for months now about his vision. Went to the doctor this week, had, had a first procedure. See better in his stomach. God's doing new things in his life. Tell people what Jesus is doing. Didn't think he'd ever see again. Thought, thought he was going to, I'm telling you, before it's all over, he's going to be seeing, he's going to be running, and he's going to be driving. That's what I believe. Because it's my job as a coach to inspire my team to win. You know, Jesus said if we had faith of a mustard seed, we could move a mountain. But, but sometimes we need to inspire some faith in some people. Sometimes we need to help be that mustard seed. Sometimes we need to stand in the gap and say, you know what? I'll inspire you to great, do great things. Hey, son, you can do whatever I tell you you can do. You can do it. I've been telling him since he was a little boy. You want to play pro football? You can do it. You just got to believe. You just got to have faith. Both my boys working out all summer long. Ethan's so proud of Brian and Cooper. Ethan's had 12 surgeries. But, but you know what dad told him? You know, it's okay you had 12 surgeries. It's okay your arms are titanium. God's made it stronger than it was to begin with. And we've been telling him, you can do anything you put your mind to do. It don't matter that the doctor said you'll never get full, full movement again. Guess what? He's got 99.9% .9 movement in that hip. It doesn't matter to anything. You know what? And for, he hasn't been able to play in two years. Hadn't played since Peewee League football. But this year, been working out with his older brother who's on varsity. Every day they're in the gym. They're working out. They're running. He's getting ready. You know what he's getting ready for? 
is getting ready for another victory in him. Because it's my dad, it's his job to inspire him and to help him go where God's got him and he needs to go. It's my job to inspire him. No one else is going to do it in this world for him. Be somebody's coach. Be somebody's light. Inspire somebody in your life today. You got a friend that's going through heck? Help them go through it. Go through it with them. Inspire them to go to the other side. You know why suicide's so rampant in our, as our society today? It's because they think it's the only way out. Because they need somebody to be that comfort to them. They need somebody to be that faith in their life. They need somebody to inspire who they are and to help them round that page. That's what they need. Third base. Coach reconciles. Babe Ruth said this, every strike brings me closer to the next one. I think starting with your dad is going to be able to help you. Every strike brings you closer to the next one. Think about it. Think about it with the next one. Think about it with the next one. Just know when it comes to getting to the plate, strikes are being thrown, just know that when that ball crosses this diamond, you're going to be close. But somebody's going to be close. Will you be somebody's coach today? Will you be somebody's inspiration? And will you help reconcile them to where they can begin going again? Luke 15, 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. Now, this is a story about a dad who loves his son. This son walks up and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now, son. I want my house. You don't need it. It's taken care of since your brother's here. I want to go set my own path into my own stuff. And so dad says, well, that's what you want, okay. Gives him his hand. He goes out, you know the story. He goes out, takes all his belongings, which I'm sure in this story was a caravan. Amen. This ain't, what is Jesus telling this story? This ain't about some guy that took a donkey and, and, and two satchels with him. He took bags of gold. He, he took tons of, tons of belongings. He probably had a whole convoy of servants he left with him. Because in, in the story we read, it says his dad had servants, and they were being treated in the end better than he was being treated. So we know his dad's got servants, but he left with half. He left with servants. He, le he left with lots of good stuff. And he went out to a foreign land, took all his good stuff, and he lived high on the hog. And he did everything he wanted to do. He lived in sin, and he squandered half of everything his daddy owned. He squandered it away. Couldn't even have, didn't even have anything to eat before he knew it. He was in the pen with the pigs eating the pig slop because it's all he had left. Because he partied, he did anything he wanted to do, and he wasted all of his inheritance. And one day when he's laying, laying in the pig pen, laying in the pig slop, he thought to himself, you know, my dad's servants live even better than I do at home. He said, the least I can do is go home and be one of dad's servants in the land. So we know the story. He goes home. Luke 
distant coming to to settle. And it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, this Italy is just like a great Western. And it's like a great coach, filled with love and compassion. He, he knew his son was coming home. He saw there wasn't a cop no whipping, no whammy. He saw what he looked like. He'd been rolling around with the pigs. He saw him dirty from a distance. But he, even that dirty man he saw in a distance, when he looked at him in the distance, he, he said, that's my boy. That's, that's my son. That, that's my kid who I love. And something looks wrong, and his heart filled up with love. And his heart filled up with compassion. That's the heart of God, everybody. It's love. It's compassion. No matter what your kids have done, no matter what they've gone through, when you see them in a distance and they're hurting and they're full of pain, you look out there in a father's heart. A father's heart's full of compassion. And, and it's full of love. And, and he, he, he looks away as, as he sees him. And he runs to his son and he embraces him. And he kisses him. He didn't look good. It didn't matter. Because a father's heart is I don't care what you look like. I don't care what's happened. I don't care what you've been through. I love you no matter what. And he grabs him and he embraces him. And he says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Restore him to who he is. Put sandals on his feet. And kill the calf that we have been fattening on. Now let me tell you something. I, I never noticed this before. Let me just tell you this. And kill the calf that we have been fattening on. You ever think dad was thinking about that? You ever think that dad in the back of his mind been thinking about it? Of course it wasn't coming. It wasn't coming that way. I can't have that kind of calf. He had a cow waiting for him to take care of it. And he said, child, you get that calf and you slaughter it and you grab the best steak you got because my son is coming. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. You know, that's what God wants to do for every one of us. He's waiting for his sons to run home and say, you know what? I've sinned against you. I've messed up. I blew past it. I've, I've blown, blown more than you've ever gave me. I've blown it. I've blown it emotionally. I've blown it physically. I, I, I've blown it spiritually. I've blown it financially. If you can blow it, I've done it. brother got mad and said, Dad, I, I haven't done, I've never done anything wrong. There's going to be people that talk about you that way. And it's okay. But this place is special. It's special. And, and the dad looks at the other son and just says, rejoice with joy. And that's what it's about. We shouldn't be jealous of anybody else in this life. We shouldn't worry about him. We should be about reconciling about rejoicing 
that our brother, our sister, our enemy had not loved us, but loved him with all of his heart. His children as messed up as they are, love them from the bottom of your heart. Love them like Jesus loved them. Show them compassion like that's what God does for us. That's what the Word of God says. He forgave even when the son was irresponsible, even when he blew half of his fortune. It didn't matter. He was his son. Next thing is the coach does. The longer you love, the more you should love. In Matthew 7, Jesus is repeating the most famous verse you ever hear. I'll give you a quick synopsis of what it is. He's preaching this message, and in it he says, Don't judge, or you'll be judged. He said, Don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own. He says, Just pray, keep praying. And then, and then in the middle of this message, he gives us a golden rule. He says, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And then he talks about a narrow gate, only a few will get in. His, his way is not an easy way. And he talks about how you'll know a tree by its fruits and how your actions in life matter, how you live matters, and how you have to be a true disciple because not everybody will get in. See, it's not just about hype and the miracles. It's about relationships. We have to have a relationship with God. Home plate, where is our relationship? Because our, our ultimate goal is going home to heaven. That's where we want to be. I've been carrying this plate around the whole message today. When Pee Wee leaves, how wide is that? How, how wide is home plate? Come on now. 17 inches. How wide is home plate in Baton Rouge? Anybody know? 17 inches. How wide is home plate in Hinesville? 17 inches. How, how wide how, how wide, even in college, is in Akron? It's home plate. 17 inches, that's right. How, how wide is home plate for the Astros and the pros? 17 inches. Home plate never changes. It never varies. Home plate from coach pitch on is 17 inches. Are we close to God's heart? Are we inspiring others? Are, are we telling our kids to encourage others? But at the same time, home plate never changes either. There, there's a requirement. There's things that God tells us we have to do. Home plate never changes. It's always 17 inches wide. You know, in coach pitch, pitch it's real cool. All the dads get out there. Anyway, your pitching gear on your home plate. So you're trying your best to line it right over the center. You can see some people trying to get on their pitching gear. They're all standing up. Because coach pitch is about the best of everything. But then all of a sudden, somebody else gets on there. And the deal is, that pitcher has got to get it over 17 inches of plate. Whether it's in Pee Wee, whether it's in Little League, whether it's in Babe Ruth. If it doesn't go over here, what is it called? It's called a ball. But if it goes over the plate, it's a... And so the goal is to get the ball over the plate. Now in college and then in the pros... Especially in the pros, if you can't, if you can't get that ball over 17 inches, what happens? If you're a pitcher in the pros and you can't get the ball over 17 inches consistently, what happens? You go to the Astros. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no I, hey, I'm an Astro fan. I'm, 
just a realist. No. You go to the minors. You get bumped down. And in the minors, if you can't get the ball over 17 inches, what happens? You get fired. You go home. The, we, it don't matter how nice of a guy that pitcher was. Don't matter how good of a guy he was. Don't matter if he had the same last name we had. None of that matters. If he can't throw over 17 inches, we can't make the plate wider for him. We can't make the, the plate no wider for him. 17 inches is as good as it gets. It never moves. It stays consistent. It's always in the same place. It's always located on that diamond in the same exact place, same exact measurement every single time. We are held accountable by a standard. You know what happens at home? I know what happens. You want to know why kids fail? Because they try to lie to themselves all the time. You know what happens in our country? We try to lie to one another. We try to make the rules acceptable for everybody, so they work for everybody. But the rule is, it's 17 inches wide, no matter what. At home, we can't make the plate any bigger. We have to set God's ways, God's precepts, God's rules. Nobody in the world wants to be in God's presence when we're here. If we want to be a good parent, we have to be accountable to him, patient, loving, seventeen inches. That's good. Seventeen inches. You know what's wrong with our country today? We've tried to we've tried to widen the plate for everybody. Tried to make it where everybody can play by play, and we, we widen the rules and try to make it acceptable to everybody to play by. And that's where we get in trouble. Lost our people. Lost our people. Lost our consistency, the way they have to teach their kids. It's all about widening the plate so everybody can play. So everybody wins. So everybody gets a trophy. They play YMCA properly. When I was growing up, you weren't first place, you didn't get a trophy. You had to earn that trophy. Now everybody gets a trophy. We're going to widen the plate and make it okay for everybody. That, that's, that's where we're going today. And, and the truth is, in real life, in real life, the plate never gets wider. The plate, the plate hasn't changed. Amen. Preachers do this too. We try, to, we try to take the gospel of Christ and we try to water it down and widen it. Instead of 17 inches, we try to really condition it to where we can play for every kid and make it okay for everybody. We try to we try to widen the plate. Now y'all quiet. This is good preaching. The plate the plate never gets wider. It just stays the same. God's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He's constant in everything He does. Forevermore, He'll be constant. We were held accountable by a standard. Jesus said, my ways, my teachings are the standard. They don't change because it gets hard in society. They don't change because we just want to feel good. They don't, they don't change because living for God isn't always easy. Romans 14, 12 says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God for our actions. 
what the Word of God says. Joshua 24, 15. It says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father serves in the regions beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And, and Joshua said this, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what I want in my life. I want as, as being my kid's coach, I want to coach them. As for me in my house, we're going to be encouraging. As for me in my house, we're going to love people. As for me and my house, we're going to reconcile everyone we see that's hurt. My job as a shepherd is to take care of sheep. And if I see a sheep that's hurting, I'm going to go do whatever it takes. I'll call medevac. I'll call an ambulance. We're going to do whatever it takes to help sheep. Because that's what God has called me to do. He's called you too. We're all called. The Great Commission sends all of us out. You're a pastor just like I'm a pastor. I'm getting real today. We have to help people so that they can see a home plate difference. So they can see what that home plate is obtainable. So that, that they can see, we, we coach them so that they know what where, where it's located and, and, what, and what the standards are of the game. A real good coach does not teach his players to play outside of the rules. A good coach teaches his team to play within the context of the rules that have been given. That's what good coaches do. We have to love, but at the same time, we have to show what the rules are. And we have to tell them what the standard is so that they can attain. Last thing I want to do is for people not to be able to attain home plate. I want them to know we're all striving one day to be home with Jesus, to be with Him, and to love Him in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your ways become our ways. Your precepts become our precepts. Father, we take these four things today. Teach us how to be better teachers. Teach us how to be better coaches, Father. Teach us how to reconcile those that are hurting and that need you, Father. Teach us how to love unconditionally. Teach us to follow your ways and your precepts and to walk like you walk, Father. Not in fear but in faith. We thank you for all these things.